Next on News for the Soul, Eyes Wide Open with Janessa and SJ. We are multifaceted beings living in a multidimensional existence. We hold the power of perception, and this power alone paints our reality. Perception influences the things we see and the things we don't see. Together, we'll explore the mystical and the material, the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Please welcome Janessa and SJ back to News for the Soul. Hello, News for the Soul family. I'm Janessa Finley Ford, and I'm going to be your host this evening. I am an empowerment coach, and I guide clients in transmuting their trials into triumphs, their setbacks into success, their obstacles into outcomes, and really, truly support them in mastering the art of being human. So it's been a few weeks since we've been on the, on the air live. I'm so happy to be back. We're across the finish line of 23 into the new year. Today has been hopping and flowing, and words are like one of those days where all the words come out of your mouth all jumbled up, and you misspeak constantly, so buckle up. This could be a wild ride. Who knows what's going to happen or fall out of my face without me actually trying to um, say some nonsensical thing. Hopefully, it's hilarious and you enjoy it. We're going to backtrack just a little bit and a few weeks ago we talked about help so this evening we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into this conversation around receiving help I did have a request to go over the Enneagram our personality structure and help after that last episode and then we're going to talk about spiritual help the mystical the magical the supernatural help that's all around us so if you have a story where you have seen miracles happen in action, you've seen supernatural intervention in situations you've been in or that you've witnessed, callers are welcome to come on the air. Let's talk about all those things that our minds just cannot find to be logical, that are mysterious, and they happen in such mystical, magical, amazing ways. So to kick us off with our funny story this evening, um, my husband came home, it's been almost a month now, and as you guys know, for the majority of 2023, I was living on my own, living alone again for the first time in several years, and do you guys do this where you don't turn on lights when you walk around your house? Because you know your floor plan so well, right? You don't need a light to show you the way. You can just feel around in the dark and maneuver, and so it doesn't matter if there's a light on or not. I am definitely that girl in the middle of the night, always have been, but this was not the middle of the night, actually. In this season of winter, the sun sets so, so early in the late afternoon, practically at this point. So I had shut some shades on a window because it was getting dark out. It was very much toward the end of the dusk time of day. And uh, I turned around, and the house is dark. I didn't flip on the light as I walked into the bathroom because I just don't do that. Like I said, <laughs> I walked around in the house. I know the floor plan. And my bathroom set up, I don't know what it's technically called, and it, it has an outer bathroom with a door, and it has a vanity and sink, and then 
there's a second portion of the bathroom if you walk further in and it too has a door a second door and that's where the shower and the toilet and all of that is and so i walked through the first door of the bathroom perfectly fine by the sink whatever and i take two more steps forward and i face plant into the second door. Well, I never shut my bathroom door and thank goodness it wasn't latched. I didn't hurt myself. Old Janessa would have been very annoyed at the fact that this door was shut and I just walked face first into it. Uh, But this version of Janessa was so grateful that there was somebody in the house living with her once again that could mostly shut the door, but thankfully not latch it, that I could possibly just walk my face into it, you know, to open it. Not the way I would recommend opening a door, but yeah, sometimes that happens. You probably have had stranger, funnier things happen to you in your home, living with other people. I've not ever stepped on a toy, but I think there could be some pretty funny stories around toys and darkness. And maybe the lesson here is really just start using the lights. But anyway, envision me walking into a door face first, and hopefully that brings some lightheartedness to your week. And like I said, luckily, nothing was broken. You know, my glasses, I wear glasses. Nothing was broken. Nothing was hurt. And gratitude somehow mysteriously filled, filled my heart that this could even come to be a story. So after the last episode that we talked about help, it's always so interesting how the universe always serves up opportunities for you to put to practice the things you talk about (laughs) all the time, right? So we did this episode on help and we talked about how Actually, helping, asking people to help you extends their life. There's so many great benefits to it. It reduces people's blood pressure and, you know, all those wonderful things. And we talked about the mindset around being confident that people will want to help you. Uh, so it makes it easier to ask for help. And the chances of people helping you increase because what we believe is what shows up in the world around us. So right after that episode, I had to make a hotel reservation to go pick up my husband. And this is a little bit of an ironic, funny story too, in a sense. But whether there was a tech glitch or the tech glitch was me, I think probably the latter is more true than the former. I reserved the hotel room for the wrong date. So I started looking for the hotel room on the date I actually needed it. And at some point in time, in my searching, the calendar page forward one week. So I was making the reservation for the Wednesday night, but I didn't make it for the correct Wednesday night. And I also didn't make it with any flexibility to move you know, my trip around. And of course I booked it through a third party So I called the hotel and they were happy to help me, but they couldn't actually adjust the reservation because it wasn't booked directly through them. It has to be done through the party that you book it through. Okay, so this is great. And I look at the confirmation and there is no contact for the company I use to book the hotel room. I'm like, of course there's not any contact. Of course I can't get a hold of them. 
So I tried emailing them and it bounced back to me because it's just an automated email address, right? <laughs> it's only one way, outgoing mail only. It doesn't receive. And so I fell from my power and I called my mother-in-law and I'm like, oh my gosh, you will not believe what I just did. And, you know, I'm in this self-critical mode and she's just like, Janessa, it's okay. And I'm like, you're right. I know it's just not a mistake I want to make at this moment in this time. And I also feel as though the fact that the hotel room was booked for a week out was evidence of this date ever evolving of when my husband was going to come home. I have, we have really haven't shared publicly or openly what that experience was like, but it was a moving target um, quite a lot. And so it had begun to feel as though that day was never going to come and it was going to constantly get pushed forward. And so, <laughs> you know, what we believe shows up for us. So I had that, I just owned, okay, I can't believe I messed up, but I messed up. It's all going to be okay. My mother-in-law was gracious and glorious and she just held space for me. And she's like, yeah, this is, this isn't worth it. A lot of things in the world. Okay. You're right. Like everything we've been through, let's just move forward. So I own my emotions, right? I'm in my emotional spiral. I own them, I feel them, I acknowledge them, they dissolve, I get off the phone, I take a couple deep breaths, and my next thought, going back to what we talked about in that previous episode, people want to help me. Things always work out. So I Google. (laughs) I Google the third-party company that I booked the reservation through, and I called them. And I explained what happened, and I said, hey, I don't actually have a change to my trip. I know that this is booked, that I can't make any changes. There is a tech glitch. There was a mistake. There is error in booking it. It didn't get booked for the the correct date initially. And I just booked this like 15 minutes ago. You can see on the, you know, timestamp of everything electronic in our world these days. And the individual said, yeah, I'd be happy to help you with that. We'll get the process started. As long as the hotel has a spot, we are able to move your reservation. And so there were several steps in this process. And to not drag the story out longer than what it needs to be, but what ended up happening is I had to call back a second time, well, probably more like a fourth time, and that person who answered said, we can't do anything about this. And then they opened, you know, the case or whatever they see on their end of the computer. And she was like, oh, wait, I see this has been started already. So we'll finish it up for you. And so I don't necessarily think that it was their standard protocol to move the reservation. So I'm so glad I didn't have to pay for two hotel rooms, one on a week that I would not use. And I love how holding my beliefs and being willing to be vulnerable and process the emotions and do everything that brought me back into my power allowed me to get what I needed in the first place. So I want that to be what you guys experience in life as well, allowing things to work out for you, allowing things to be easy, allowing help when and where it's going to benefit you. Okay, so it looks like we have a caller. 
Uh, area code 781, are you still there? Michelle in Ontario, are you still with us? Are you on hold waiting? Area code 781. Okay. We're going to dive into the Enneagram information. Hopefully the switchboard will support getting you on air if you are still there, Michelle, or call back in if you got disconnected. If anyone else is wanting to get on air, just keep calling. If you're having any issues, the switchboard has been a little finicky, but it sounds like it's ironed its wrinkles out. So we'll talk about the Enneagram and help. So those of you who have been listening to me for a while, you know the Enneagram is your personality structure, your spiritual personality type that gets imprinted on your soul at birth. And then there are some other factors of your personality that's picked up from your environment at a young age. There are nine types or filters through which we see the world that is mapped out in the amazing Enneagram. Uh, So today I'm just going to go through in order from one to nine. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, you can go back and listen to the previous episodes. Normally I won't start with the one because it's in the middle of the gut type. It maps out gut, heart, and head. So... um, If you want to get into all of the wisdom of the Enneagram, it's amazing. It will impact your relationships on a level you cannot believe if you get to know it. So for those of you who already know it, let's get into it because you wanted to hear what this is about. So starting with the Enneagram 1s, Enneagram 1s seem to be especially willing to help when no one else will because it makes them a good person, right? The Enneagram 1s are so driven by being good that when no one else will do it, they will uh, eventually step forward because somebody's got to do it. But overall, Enneagram Ones are a pretty willing personality in general. And of course, that's easy for them to justify with that perspective of good and bad, and they move away from being bad or corrupt or evil. And so they always want to do the good thing. Twos. Moving on to our twos. Our twos are amazing. They are the greatest helpers of all of the helper types because the the two is the helper. It's its name. So they always want to help and they want to see themselves as helpful, but it's really hard for them to be able to receive help. So they'll give help lavishly, but they will struggle to see themselves as not being selfish in receiving help back. So the last time that we had um, this topic on the air, we had a couple people write in with some questions. And one of them, I remember, profoundly said that they really won't receive help until, you know, death is on their doorstep in essence. And so I'm really wondering if the other characteristics of the Enneagram true wouldn't hold true for them. That's something that you can jump on. The Enneagram Institute online is my favorite resource for getting to know your Enneagram type and 
all of the um, motivators, the core motivators and fears and characteristics that would describe you. And if that really resonates for you, then that willingness to receive help only when death is on your doorstep likely is coming from your personality most predominantly. And that is something that can easily be transformed to get you out of that story and into one where giving and receiving comes so much more naturally. So with our Enneagram 3s, our Enneagram 3s find their worthiness in doing. And so helping and doing, if it goes hand in hand, the Enneagram 3s are so willing to step up to the plate. Enneagram 3s will really pitch in and helping when it comes to volunteering, serving, the things that really allow them to feel self-satisfaction and worthiness within the things that they are doing because they are the doers, achievers, and busy bodies in the world. And then keeping in mind as well that the numbers close. Oh, how do I want to explain this for someone who hasn't heard it before? So if you're a one, you, there are wings. We haven't gotten into the wings on air here. We do that in the Stronger Together community and really help people understand their personality structure. But the wings are the numbers next to the number you center as. So I am an Enneagram one, and my main personality type and core drivers are that good, bad, all everything of the Enneagram one. But I definitely show up in the helpfulness of the two, and I very much show up in the indecisiveness of the Enneagram nine. So the wings are those other characteristics that we pull in from the numbers next to us. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is because the two is that main helper personality. The one, like I just explained in myself, can pick up on those characteristics and express them as well. And the three can also. So to be a dead horse, you always hear us talk around here about the Enneagram and the way that you know what your core-centered any a type is, is it based upon the motivators and the fears, not the behavior. And that is another reason why, because there is, if you want to go down that rabbit hole of the Enneagram, there's tons to learn. It's super accurate. It's so amazing. And there's certain nuances to it as well. So we don't want to look at someone's behavior alone to determine where someone is centers on the Enneagram. So moving on to the type Four with helping. Fours deeply desire helping others, especially with large scale impact, because it is so important to the Enneagram Fours to leave impact on the world, to have that level of impact. And so they too are a very gentle, soft energy personality, and helping really fits in their flow quite naturally and quite easily. Now, moving on to type five, it's a bit of the opposite. <laughs> um, type fives are the intellectuals. And so they have a limited amount of energy that they're given every day. When they go to bed and sleep at night or if they rest, they don't necessarily recharge. So they really are managing their reservoir of energy that is the same amount of energy every single day. And running out of that energy is really going to leave them vulnerable and compromised. So for Enneagram 5s, 
what I have found personally, having several Enneagram fives in my life, is that the likelihood they're going to volunteer is not super high. And if I don't want to stereotype people, if you're an Enneagram five out there, hopefully you're just nodding your head and you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm not saying that they're not helpful, though, and there's a big difference. They just won't naturally take the initiative to jump up and help. On the flip side of this, I have never been told no to anything I've ever asked for help for from an Enneagram 5. And I have an Enneagram 5 in my family, and I've asked for a lot of help from them over the years. So that's truly saying something. So it's not that they're not helpful. It's just that you're going to have to ask them for help to get that help initiated. Now, this used to be a thing for me personally. I used to get super annoyed, and I had to get over myself. I had to do a really real check-in of why exactly is it, Janessa, that you are so ridiculous you won't ask for help, that you want them to read your mind or see what you need or that someone else in the family could use their support? Uh, just ask for help, guys. <laughs> Don't be like the old me. Don't do it. Don't go down that road. There's some self-indignation that we all experience along life's highway here. But just ask for help. It makes everything so much easier. So moving along to the type sixes. Type sixes will help with anything to create security for others and connection for others. The Enneagram sixes fear the lack of security in the world and their relationships, and so they will for sure also show up being helpful in planning for anything that could go wrong, worst-case scenarios, keeping you safe, keeping you secure, all of those types of uh, behaviors because they want that security themselves, but they also really love to have connection with others. And like I've talked about before, the Enneagram Sixes are such natural conversationists. They ask beautiful questions. It's so easy for them to engage, and they don't make you feel at all like you're being interrogated. It's such a natural skill for them. I, I love it. I study it, and I do my best to emulate it, but I have some room for improvement in that. So Enneagram 7s. Enneagram 7s will help if and when they feel like it, which is really the theme of everything that drives the Enneagram 7. Um, you know, they, they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it, and that is a huge core value to them. Now, also much like the 5s, at the same time that their core driver is doing what they want to do when they want to do it, I haven't had Enneagram 7s tell me no very often when asking for help. But I do see a little bit of a variation between different Enneagram 7s in my life. So I don't know if the factor is gender, male, female. Um, but like SJ, for instance, and my mom, both are Enneagram 7s. And I can't recall a time that either one of them ever told me no, they wouldn't help me if it was, you know, feasibly possible for them to help. Um, so anyway, if an Enneagram 7 feels like it, they'll help you. And I think that's really been the other thing, um, gender-wise, is if I need help immediately, 
my husband might not really be wanting to help in that moment, but if I give him space that there is no timeline or time frame on it, then he's much more likely to help because he can do it when he's in the mood for it and when it fits his flow. So moving on to Enneagram 8s. Enneagram 8s, that boss archetype, they are the leaders, movers, and shakers in the world. So they are going to be leading the way, leading the charge. And if you are helping them with something that they that is a vision for them, that they're aligned with, they are going to be so receptive to help. And another wonderful characteristic of the Enneagram 8 is that they are always willing to help the underdog. They're always watching out for the underdog, protecting the underdog. It's like a comeback story uh, in the making, and the Enneagram 8 is going to make sure that it is a success story and it happens. So um, if, if there's an underdog involved, the Enneagram 8 is definitely going to show up and help. Our Enneagram 9s, the peacemakers, you know, they really like to alleviate discomfort. When they show up to help, if you are in a state of discomfort or, you know, I, I don't know. I lost the word. It was in my brain and then it's not. So alleviate discomfort. They like to alleviate discomfort. If there is chaos, if there is lack of harmony, if there's lack of peace, they're all about creating that peace and creating that harmony. And that's another beautiful way that they're going to show up to make sure things are moving along smoothly. Okay, so going back to email. Sometimes I have a time doing email and talking at the same time. I got confused because there was an area code listed. So Michelle in, Mont in Ontario. Shared a story about walking into... Michelle in Ontario, I'm so sorry. I've lost your original email. Let me pull it off. I've done a lot of email traffic since I got on the air. You guys don't actually get to see this part of, like, behind the scenes. I'll welcome you in for it. In the crazy scientist mind of Janessa, especially when SJ is on the air, uh, it is challenging for me to process written communication and speak at the same time and not speak out loud what I am reading, right? So if I'm talking about something and I get an email, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should really read this right now because I might start talking about what the email says. You guys don't get to see that when SJ is on the air because I do all of the email stuff while she's talking and it makes it much easier to manage a bit. Welcome to my world. Thank you for your patience. So Michelle in Ontario, emailed in that she was laughing at my story about not turning on the lights for nighttime bathroom breaks. Yeah, girl, that's totally me every single night. No glasses either. And I cannot see hardly anything without my glasses. So whether there's light, if you take off my glasses, it's like the same thing. So Michelle says, I always used to do that until one time, ooh, when an earring apparently fell off my nightstand landing post up, ouch. Oh, the post buried itself deeply into my foot when I stepped on it. The truly sad part of the story is this had to happen twice. Oh, before you started using a flashlight. Maybe just those earrings need to be put somewhere else. 
But ouch, oh, I feel for you. That is not fun. Thank you for sharing your story too and for being able to relate. Aren't we interesting humans in the things that we do? I hope that never happens to you again in the future though, for real. All right, so let's get into spiritual help. And if you guys have uh, stories around spiritual supernatural, I know I said it in the beginning, I'm so fascinated with this that I'm surprised it took me a year to even think about talking about this, that I'd love to hear your story. And even if you don't want to come on air, like maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing it. I get it. That's totally fine. I would still love to hear it. So come find me on Facebook, Janessa Finley Ford or Fiercely Radiant Soul, um, or email me, fiercelyradiantsoul at yahoo.com. I would love to hear your story. Absolutely. Would love to hear it if you don't feel comfortable calling in on air. So the spiritual help, the thing about spiritual help is that we have to ask for it. <laughs> Do you see how this pairs so wonderfully with the, uh, you know, you have to ask for help in the physical more often than not. And the same thing with the spiritual, whether there are angels, guides, Whatever you believe in, I know there are many, many, many other energetic, I'll just call them entities, energy bodies, on the other side of the veil, ancestors that people will call upon to help them in moments of need um, or what some refer to as ascended masters. So Buddha, Dalai Lama, Jesus, like there are all these enlightened ascended beings that have gone before us that if we simply speak or think and ask for help they'll show up and intervene on our behalf the tricky part is always remembering to ask for help right that's the part that's always gotten in the way especially with these beings or things that we can't see and i don't actually i'll just own I'm not going to say that I know something I don't know. I don't actually know what is the difference of when they show up when they haven't been asked for versus when they have and how that all works. And so here's where I get in to I'm going to share some of my own personal stories with you guys of help that I've received or things that I have seen happen in life that has left me at awe in knowing that there is something out there, even if we can't see it, there's absolutely something that orchestrates the way things happen in the physical. And so I think I'm gonna start with my own car accident. My car accident happened when I was approximately 25 years old. And So often accidents, they say, you know, happen really close to home. True story. I also blame my car accident on Kenny Chesney, the country singer. So he had a concert the night before, and I went to it, and I had to work the next day. I think the concert was actually on a Thursday. Um, And I was working at the prison during this time, so I didn't have the weekends off anyway. So maybe it was a Saturday or a Friday. I don't even know, right? But it, it was during my work week. So my routine was always to go from work and at the stoplight where I would turn left to go to my house, I would go straight and I would go to the gym. So I go from work to the gym 
because I couldn't sit down on the couch, (laughs) right? If I sat down on the couch and I was really tired, getting that inertia going to get the workout in would be so much challenging. So my discipline was just go to work, go to the gym, and then once you're home, you're home. Also very Enneagram One programming. Do all the things before you rest or good luck actually sitting down and taking a rest and not feeling guilty about it. But on this day, I was so tired. I decided I wasn't going to go to the gym and I was going to go home. And so I was in this turn lane to turn left at the stoplight that was maybe four blocks away from my house. And car in the turn lane went ahead and turned left while another car was coming. And that car that was coming appeared to me to be speeding um, for that speed zone. But not, you know, they weren't driving like at 80 miles an hour. I think the speed limit in that area was 45 or 50. So they were probably driving, you know, 55 or so. And they swerved to avoid clipping the tail of the car. And when they swerved to avoid the car, they swerved the other way to try to correct course. And then they lost complete control of their car. And as they, so they originally swerved to what would be their left or toward the turn lane. And then they overcompensated, swerving to the right. They hit the curb. And then they well overcorrected to the left and drove directly into my driver's side door across the median. And of course, there was a median which sort of launched their car. And your brain thinks so fast. When you're seeing all of this unfold and happen, it literally is so crazy to live that experience where I saw the girl pull out and I'm like, that's stupid. He's going to hit her. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, he's going to hit me. He's going to hit me. And all these things race through your head. And I was driving a Mazda 6 at the time. It was a manual car. So... I had my car in gear, in first gear, to be able to pull forward, of course, because, you know, this car is moving, so eventually I'm going to move. So if you have your car, if you have a manual car and your car is in gear and you're not moving yet, that means you have the clutch in. So I had my left foot extended on the clutch and my right foot on the brake. The reason why this is important, guys, is because I couldn't move out of my seat. Like, I really, all I could do was lean because I knew that I had to keep my feet where they were or I was going to rear on the person in front of me. And so I leaned to the left, and, I mean, just so many things race through your head. The whole time, you're like, that car's going to hit me. That car's going to hit me. I think I had that thought probably at least 10 times before I heard the breaking glass. And I had, you know, turned my head. I leaned away, and the car definitely plowed directly into my driver's side door. It moved my car over quite a ways, so I wasn't fully in that left turn lane anymore. The impact was really significant. The back tire of the individual who hit me, their car popped off and rolled uh, quite a ways up the sidewalk and on the side of the road. It was kind of a treed area, so wasn't in the middle of the road. And... I shut my car off, and I think my first next thought was, how am I going to get to work tomorrow? Our brains are so interesting and bizarre. Like, not am I okay, 
but how am I going to get to work? How am I going to pay my bills? <laughs> I give all the survival in the moment to think about. And that was it. So the the person in front of me was a woman. She got out of her car and she came back and checked on me and asked if I was okay. And I, I'm like, yeah, I think so. And just completely, of course, in shock, right? Like, I'm not really actually thinking straight. Who knows? Took my seatbelt off. Couldn't get out of my side. I, like, I didn't even try to open the door. There's glass everywhere. And I got out the passenger side. And first responders came, of course. And the first sheriff on the scene said to me, I don't even know how you walked away from that crash. Because my, you know, driver's door was dented in so badly. And all of the glass that had shattered and all of that. And I definitely needed a reality check to slow down in my life. And I must have missed the other 10,000 signs that likely were sent my way until that moment occurred. And then I definitely, whether I liked it or not, had to slow down. Um, Overall, I was okay. I had some internal, um, I guess, bleeding, if you will, in my urine. I had a concussion just from my brain hitting my skull. I had a hard time remembering things for quite some time. Um, my neck, my shoulders, a lot of soreness. I don't even remember partially bulged disc in my neck or something. I ended up going to physical therapy and chiropractic care Like, was such a solid for me. And I'm so grateful for the physical therapist I saw because there's usually a divide between those two. And we did everything in physical therapy that they could do for me. And she said, you know, some people just have better luck or response with chiropractic care. And I'd never seen a chiropractor before. So I feel as though not only was there divine intervention that day that allowed me to walk away from that accident and not have such incredibly permanent, significant injuries or be debilitated or, you know, even worse, car accidents can be fatal. I also believe there was guidance in my healing process that allowed me to eventually find someone that not only it wasn't the first chiropractor either, but the chiropractor that I ended up working with long, longer term was a chiropractor for a sports team, a hockey team in Omaha. And so he believed in keeping you active. And the first chiropractor that I saw didn't. He was like, you can't run, you can't do anything, no nothing for a really long time. But the second chiropractor said, you know, if it doesn't hurt, do it. These are the things with your neck that you really don't want to do and we need to work back into strength-wise once you heal. But if you're comfortable doing the things, do the things. And I'm so grateful for him to this day. Eric Clements is his name. If anyone's in Omaha, Nebraska listening, he's an amazing chiropractor. And definitely you can trust him with all of your chiropractic needs. But, not, yeah, not only from the moment of the accident, I do believe throughout my healing there was something greater than me guiding my path. Now, of course, ironically, I don't believe in irony, as you already know. Ironically, my dad was in a car accident. Um, How many years later would have it been? Approximately five years later, six years later, after I was. 
His accident was even more extreme than mine. He's a walking, talking miracle, and I'm so grateful that we still have him here, and we all made it through this experience together. But he and my uncle were traveling, and there had been a snowstorm. Imagine that in the end of December in the Midwest, and they hit some black ice, and they rolled into the median of the interstate that they were traveling on, and my dad was ejected in the rollover accident. He ended up landing on the other side of the interstate, and I got the police report. I talked to the police officer that was the first officer to respond to his accident, and we had some questions. But what that police officer had told me is that where dad ended up laying after he was ejected was on the opposite side of the interstate, and there was a civilian that pulled over and directed traffic around him in the two-lane interstate to make sure that he was not ran over by traffic until first responders got there. So from the whole flipping scenario of his car accident, the ejection, uh, you know, I, I made some probably inappropriate jokes. I tend to process with humor about the fact that it was a good thing he landed in snow or there was snow for him to land in that may have, you know, absorbed some of the impact from his body. But he ended up having, I believe it was 13 broken bones total from that. Forever grateful. I have no idea who the civilian, the person, the kind-hearted individual who was willing to get out on an icy interstate and direct traffic park so that my dad was protected and safe until first responders got there. Forever grateful for them. Um, have never been able to thank them. Have no idea that there's any chance of them listening here today, but if they are, please know how deeply grateful my family is for you. And hopefully that also inspires you guys if you're ever put in a place to be an earth angel for someone else. And that doesn't take these extreme car accident scenarios to make it happen either. Lastly, from an energetic standpoint, if car accidents are something that are common for you, you've been in more than one, or for your family that you see that generationally this occurs, it's an energetic pattern. And it can be released and shifted and interrupted so that you can travel safely. Um, my brother hit a deer when I was younger. And then also when I was in high school, I was driving, you know, being raised in a rural area, I was driving on a gravel road to my boyfriend at that time's house, and a deer actually ran into my driver's side door. Like, there was just this thunk out of nowhere. It scared the bejesus out of me. So I also feel like I had some signs along the way that, you know, this car accident thing, but we're taught to believe, right, that, oh, it's just so common. Oh, it's part of driving. Driving's more dangerous than flying. It actually doesn't have to be. And I do believe that we can have that divine protection. We can have that energetic pattern locked in that we travel safely and don't have these things happen to us. So if you're curious about knowing more about that, reach out, and I'd be happy to jump on a consult call, explain, you know, connect with you, and let you know what is really, truly possible for you if you believe that car accidents are just commonplace. They do not need to be. Okay. How much time do we have? We still have a little bit more time. So most of my stories of my own personal seeing intervention in my life 
has happened around these car accidents medical events. And I think I shared with you guys last month or in November that my mom had appendicitis and her appendix ruptured. My dad carried her out of the house and took her to the ER and that's how she ended up getting medical treatment. But I don't know if you guys know like how toxic an erupted appendix is. And when you're in rural Nebraska where the healthcare at that time is not advanced to what it is today, we are so blessed to have my mom here still that that's another, to me, great example of where there was some intervention guiding and leading the way for doctors to be able to figure it out in time before the infection completely took over her body um, because it was pretty scary and she for sure had a long, slow road to recovery, but she did recover. And then, you know, spiritual intervention can be as simple as praying. If you're praying, if you're in an argument or a dispute and just welcoming in God, angels, light, truth, whatever that is for you, it can be absolutely in awe of how quickly the defensiveness, the animosity between the two people will just dissolve. And not that necessarily you've reached a resolution, but that you don't want to go at it anymore. Like there isn't that desire to fight, to fight against one another. So amazing things can happen when you ask for help. And then my last story that I have to share with you, this is the first time I've shared this publicly. And sometimes I get a little nervous if I'm being honest about sharing things that I haven't shared before. Um, but I'm going to do it. You're going to get the, you're going to get the goods. You're going to get the story. So about a year and a half ago, approximately, I was in meditation. I've always felt really connected to angels, um, which you, you know, may have picked up on a little bit and hearing me talk before talking about some of these experiences. And in my meditation, the angel of death came to me with a message that two people in my family would pass fairly close together. And this was the first time that I've received guidance of this kind in that, you know, in a meditation. And so I wasn't necessarily scared and I wasn't necessarily weirded out, but I also wasn't confident in it, right? Like, there is such an art in becoming confident and secure with the communications and the connections that we have with energies and beings that we cannot see. And so I felt very prompted to share with um, a family member, what was shared with me because this had to do with loved ones. And we fast forward the story now to where we are 18 months later. And the interpretation, the understanding that I had of that message that day has come to be reality. But interesting as life is, we actually thought that I had, I thought I had gotten the message wrong because there's been more loss in the family than just 
the couple of individuals that I felt the message was actually guided toward. And so then in the last, hmm, maybe it's been a month now. Time flies, guys. My goodness. It was probably close to a month ago. I was doing a meditation again, which is how I love to start my day, prayer and meditation time. And I was in meditation, and Archangel Jophiel came to me. And that Archangel is the Archangel of Beauty and of your thoughts aligning with the life that you want to create, creating a beautiful life. And I really felt a great sense of relief in that time because we were so close to nearing the end of this chapter with my husband, this really challenging chapter of life, this long, very frigid season of winter. And I mean that figuratively, not literally. Um, Yeah, so it was really reassuring to have this presence and this knowingness that everything is shifting. A new season is beginning to emerge. Things are going to be very beautiful. And for those of you who do a word of the year, I hope that you've been able to discern what your word for this year is. Mine is most certainly beauty, which I never thought would be my word because I've always looked at that word as being something superficial in appearance, you know, beauty. And for everything that we have been through, I know that the reason why this word is being laid on my heart to look for is to reinforce my belief that I live in a beautiful world and I live a very beautiful life. And so looking for beauty in other people, beauty in the events happening around me, beauty on a much, much deeper level than what you see in someone's appearance. All right. We have a quick question, and we're moving to the top of the hour. We're going to wrap up. Brenda in Seattle says, is there a certain way to ask for help? Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself. So I love this question, Brenda. Super valid, very relevant. (laughs) And sometimes asking for help out loud can be the best way to ask for help, even though it does feel like you're talking to yourself. And that's where your intention and your belief really, really, really comes into play. But there's also a way to work with the physical body that we live in to connect with our spirit and for our spirit to have that connection with source or with the angels or with whatever um, you're calling upon, whether it's your guides, for that help. And that actually is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about leading up to the top of the hour is the spiritual alchemy container that I am launching. It's going to start on January 11th because one of the things we're going to get into in spiritual alchemy is exactly how do you use this vehicle of our body and have that connected with our spirit and have a clear connection of our spirit in the spiritual realm with pure source spirit that is going to guide our way and not just question, hey, am I just having a conversation in my head with myself that are my thoughts? But to know and to learn to develop that trust and that knowingness that those 
communication, that nudging, it actually feels different than your thoughts. It really actually feels different than your thoughts. So that's one way of knowing. The, the asking for help, I don't feel like you can really technically ask for help in a way that isn't effective. It's the receiving. It's the receiving that can get, you know, like on a cell phone. <laughs> like the episode when it started and I sounded like an alien and there clearly wasn't a clear connection. That's where things like doubt can create that staticky connection where we're not so certain of what feedback we're getting and if we can trust that. And so there's a knowingness that we come into in mastering the art of being human with our spirit and our body and our mind to get them all synced up, to know when are our thoughts our own? When is that nudge or that inspired action coming in? Not just a random thought. When is this meditation not just my imagination? And how do you interpret the messages that you receive in a meditation for the knowingness to be certain about the message that you're receiving, right? Now, spiritual alchemy is going to be more than that, though. Spiritual alchemy is really a safe place for us to question our beliefs around spirit, whether that's religion, you were raised in certain religion, whether that's simply the God that you were taught to believe in or knew to be true at some point in time, isn't the same God that you now believe to be true and which beliefs should you trust? How do we stay centered in an ever-evolving world when things are always shifting and changing to have clear connection to a known spiritual presence that never lets us down and never fails us? We're going to look at history and different theologies and different resources, different information. It's going to be a place where people can ponder and question and explore in a really safe place, regardless of ideology. There's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. But this isn't going to be a space where you're told what to believe. This is going to be a space of exploration. So Spiritual Alchemy starts on January 11th. Like I said, it's going to be a two-month-long container. There's going to be Zoom calls, coaching through Voxer. There's going to be community resources. There's going to be time for you to explore on your own the information that you're receiving and a lot of practice and discernment of knowing what is right and true to you and what is aligned and right. Without shame, guilt without judgment. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful space. If you'd like to get in on that, you can reach out to me at fiercelyradiantsoul at yahoo.com. Go to my website, fiercelyradiantsoul.com. I believe my email is on there, but if I took it off, fiercelyradiantsoul at yahoo.com, all one word. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook. Send me a message. The investment for that will be going up next week. So the sooner, faster you act, the um, investment is a stair step. So get in on it now and you'll have more time to prepare for that experience as well. So 
We're at the top of the hour. Time has flown. I suppose that's what happens when you haven't been on air for a couple of weeks. I will be back here with SJ next week, and we will be exploring some beautiful, amazing mystery topic. It'll be a surprise for all of us. I hope you will join me. And until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open. the soul begins its 27th year in january 2024 find out our latest news at newsforthesoul.com its 27th year in January 2024. Find out our latest news at newsforthesoul.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.